But today we're ending a series called In the Face of Fire. We've talked about three pretty ridiculous stories with fire. We, we started with, with three men who basically, I'm not going to talk to you a lot about them, but if you want to go back and check it out, Pastor Jordan talked about three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they basically stood fire in the face and they won. A, a king said, when the, when the music starts, you're going to bow down to the statue that I've built of myself, and if you don't, you're getting thrown in the fire. And they looked at that king and the most powerful man in the world at that time, and they said, we're not bowing. You can throw us in that fire. Our God will save us. Even if he doesn't, we're still not bowing. And so Pastor Jordan just asked you, when's the last time you had an even if? Even if God doesn't do what I want him to do, I'm still going to stay faithful because God is always faithful, even when the plan doesn't work out the way that I think it should work out. And so he had an even, an even if. Then we talked about Moses two weeks ago, and I said, listen, sometimes God's going to call you to something. It's going to freak you out. It's going to scare you. And there is never a perfect time in your life to do what God's calling you to do. And so stop making excuses and, and just do it. And then last week, we, we talked about what I think maybe was the, was the most intense sermon, series, sermon of the, the series. Uh, we talked about a man named Elisha, and I just challenged you. I said, listen, Elisha basically said to his listeners, serve Baal or serve God. And if those of you weren't at church, Baal was a, was a false god, and they had this kind of duel between prophets. And he looked at the people, and he said, figure out who you're going to serve. Either go all in and serve God, and, and make sure you're fully following him, or just leave because what you're doing is kind of stupid. And so, and we use those terms, and I know some of you probably never heard that in church before, but that is essentially what Elisha was saying. And here's what I think happened. A lot of you probably said, I want to go all in, or I need to get more, more serious, or I need to get more committed, or I need to do this. And then you looked at these people's stories, and you went, man, they did some crazy things for God. Like one of them, he met God in a burning bush, and then he walked through the, the Red Sea, and he turned his staff into a snake, and he did all these other miracles. Another one brought fire to an altar. The other guys actually went into, went into a fire, and they came out, and the Bible said they didn't even smell like smoke. And I think oftentimes we read about those stories, and we go, man, it's really cool that God did those things in their life, but my faith journey looks a whole lot less powerless. I don't even met anybody, and when they pray, when they sing, uh, when they talk, when they, when they share things with you, it just, it just feels like they're really close to God, and the presence of God is really running through them, and, and, and you can almost feel something different about their life. They almost walk in the miraculous, and then for many of us, it's kind of like, my, my life looks pretty normal. Like, I don't remember the last time that I saw God do anything significant through my life. I don't know the last time that he told me something that I didn't know before to share with somebody, or he gave me a prayer, or, or I had a dream uh, about something that, that, I, that I didn't even know was going to happen, but it came to me, or, or I had thoughts, or I, when I spoke to somebody, it felt like God was literally speaking through me. Many of you say, I've never experienced that, and some of you will say, I didn't even know that was available, and so today I want to talk to you, and I want to specifically talk about the fire of the, the Holy Spirit, which, which oftentimes is not talked about in, in church enough, and so here's what happens. You want to go all in or you want to really commit your life to Christ and, and then it's like basically like a, like a 12-step journey or like a New Year's resolution or like a new podcast or like a self-help book and you try to treat God like that and what I need you to understand is the things that God wants to do in your life, they're impossible without the presence of God filling your life. I need you to understand like, the things that God wants to do in your life. Many of you have experienced, you're like, I'm going to do things for God and then you kind of just come to church and you do your thing. And you always fall back into old habits. And the truth is because you're not strong enough on your own. The reason that, that these men, that these women that we've talked about in Scripture, the reason they saw God work and do miraculous things is because the presence of God was inside of them. 
There was something different about their lives. And so I want to spend some time talking to you about that because, listen, a belief in God without the power of God is frustrating. I want you to hear that again. Belief in God without you seeing the power of God work in and through your life leads to spiritual frustration. Let me give you some examples about, about when you don't have power. I pulled up the Dunkin' Donuts today. This is no lie. I had a bunch of other illustrations. I erased them all because this one took precedent over it. I pull up with my kids. I need Dunkin' Donuts before I preach on Sunday morning, right? Like I, it's the presence of Dunkin' Donuts in my system, right, that enables me to do what I do on Sunday morning. So I desperately need it. We pull up to Dunkin' Donuts. I pull into the drive-thru, order my thing, you know, uh, we're going to have this and that and you, what do you want and sour cream donuts and all those things. We pull up and get to the window. And as she's getting ready to hand me my, my coffee, the power goes out and the window won't open. I'm not lying. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm like, what's going on? She's like, there's no power. I was like, pull the dang window open and give me my flipping coffee, right? Like, I can't go anywhere. I'll sit here. And so literally, she's like, I don't know what to do. We sat there for five minutes. I'm like, I got nowhere else to be. I got, it's 945. I, got I need my coffee. Literally, the power went out, right? That's what it's like in many, many believers' lives. You, you have a belief in God, but you have no power, which means you have no change. There's nothing different about your life because the power is missing. I'll give you another example. My kids were at a party a few weeks ago, and at the party they had one of those big wheels, those Jeep big wheels, and you put your kids and let your kids drive around so that you can begin the nightmares of thinking about your kids in 15 years driving with their friends on the real road, right? That's what I think. I think, man, I don't want to be alive for that, right? Like, I don't want, and so we're watching the kids, and they were, they were doing dumb stuff, which, which we did when we were 16 in our car. Their, their kids are laying on the hood as they're driving and stuff like that. And so the, the person who owned the house came up and took the battery out of the, out of the car. And most of the kids knew there was no more power. Two of the kids just sat there. The dad of the one kid said, congratulations, you are the dumbest kid at this party, son. <laughs> he sat there for 20 minutes. Finally, he got out. He walked around, pulled up the thing. He said, dad, there's no power. And I think in a lot of your lives, there is no power. Like, there's belief, and there, there's not much more. And so some of us would say, how do I experience the same power that Elisha experienced? Praying and fire comes down. How, how do I experience uh, the same power that Moses experienced? How do I experience the same power the Bible says that literally Jesus experienced? Because the Bible's clear, the same power that conquered the grave that was inside of Jesus is available to you and me. In fact, it says it lives in you and me, yet most of us would not describe our faith with God as something that's, that's powerful, as something where we see. And so I would tell you that there, there's one thing that I see that is evident in all of their lives that sets them up to receive the power of God, and that's obedience. And so the first step in, in, in receiving the power of God is what many of you did last week is you went, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to start to serve. I'm going to start to put God first in my finances. I'm going to start to do these things because what happens is, as Jesus says it, he says, you are being emptied. And when you're emptied, God can fill you back up with the right power. Less of, of me and more of God. Those were actually the words of Christ. Less of me, more of him. I want to I wanna decrease so that, that he can increase in, in my life. That's what happens. It's kind of like a propane tank. I don't know if you ever mess with propane, but I used to fill propane tanks up, and what they would do is when they would bring a new tank in, before you filled it, you had to let the air out. 
Because if you filled it, if it was brand new, I don't even know why they put air in, but they did. If you didn't purge it and you, and you put the propane in, if it was a 30-pound tank, it would only hold 15 pounds. And then you would send the, 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 the customer home and they would come back and scream at you, right? Because they would say, you didn't fill my tank up because you didn't first purge it. And so what I used to think is, why don't you purge it yourself? But that's another story. And so what you would have to do is you would get the tank and you would let the air out. And then you would fill it up. And a couple of times I didn't let the air out. And then I would have to let all the propane out. And that, that burns you. That's not fun. And so you let the air out. And then the tank is ready to fully be filled with the propane. That's the same process. Every time you take a step of obedience. Every time you say yes, God. Every time. Just like Moses. He said, I'm going to, to, going to Egypt. I don't even know exactly what I'm doing. Exactly how it's going to work. But I'm going to obey what you told me to do. Uh, yes, God. The more times you do that, the Bible says that you will be decreasing your desires, your, your power, your will, which is a really difficult battle. I don't know if you notice that. Is going to decrease. And the presence of God is going to increase in your life. And so I actually want to show you this in the book of Acts exactly what what happens what happens here and I want you to notice in the book of Acts chapter 1 and 2 two things the first thing is these people were given a command a few few days earlier before Acts 2 where, where Jesus said I want you to go everywhere and tell everyone about the gospel but it's almost like he, he tells them I have this this plan this this purpose this 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 passion I want, want you to do this but then he says before you go you need to be filled you need to wait don't try to do this on your own. And I would say the same thing to some of you. Don't try to become all that God has called you to be on your own. You will live a powerless life, and you will consistently go back to the, the way that you were. That's religion. Religion is worthless, dead, and, and stupid. I think I tried to convey that to you last week. There's something else. There's a living, breathing, life-giving relationship that Jesus Christ has for us, and he offers that power through the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, I love this, in, in Acts chapter 1, verse number 4, it says, On one occasion... Uh, while he was eating with them, he gave them his command. This is almost right before, right, right before he leaves. He's having a kind of a meal with them, maybe the last meal, and he says, here's a command. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. We're going to do that a little bit later. But in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Before you go, you need to make sure you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Your job is to wait, though. And that's the hard part. That, that's the part that many of us, I'm going to empty myself of myself. What are they going to deal with? They're going to deal with fear. They're going to deal with anxiety. They're going to deal with not having all the answers to all the questions they have. They're going to deal with watching Jesus ascend back to heaven and then having to remember, hey, go back to, go back to Jerusalem and wait. We don't know what to do next. I don't even know what's coming up next. Sometimes your next step is simply just saying yes to whatever he's asking you to do. You just keep saying yes. I'm just going to keep saying yes. I'm just going to keep saying yes. And so they wait, which is a signal that they're all in, which is a signal that they are decreasing and getting ready to, to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And so Scripture says in Acts chapter 2, one of the most profound, powerful moments that has ever happened in Scripture. And by the way, I think it's still available today. I think it's still available today. I know, listen, as soon as you start talking about the Holy Spirit, I know how it, how it gets. And we're going to kind of, we're going to ease you in, in, in a second because I want you to understand the Holy Spirit is 100% necessary for you to have inside of your life, for you to live the victorious life God has called you to live. These men, they're, they're complete cowards before the Holy Spirit. Complete cowards. They, 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 they can't change nothing. Yet, they have this moment in Acts chapter 2 and they change the world and it has never gone back the same again. 
Literally, they impacted an empire. They, they shut down. Some of them would stand before the most powerful men in the world for their faith. Like they, they got platforms of people they shouldn't have had because they got filled with the Holy Spirit, because they decrease. And when you decrease, you give God a spot to fill you up. He can't fill you up if you're filled with yourself. So this is what Scripture says in Acts chapter 2. One day Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They, they did what Jesus told them to do. That's really important to being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's really important. They did what Jesus told them to do. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. How many of y'all will be crapping your pants right there? What is going on, right? They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And we're going to talk a little bit about what exactly was happening in that moment because this is where churches kind of differ. And, and he, here, here's what I know that I think that so many people, we're going to talk about what he does in our lives, but I want to talk to you about why many of you are not experiencing this same power that we're going to see happen. They get filled with the Spirit. Uh, scripture tells us they go out and they share the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in a moment, their little church grows from 120 people to over 3,000 people. I pray almost every week, God, do that. Yes, please. God, just flood the gates of this church with thousands of new people that are far from you. And sometimes I think it's an impossible prayer, but then I go, yeah, it's an impossible personal prayer. But it's not an impossible prayer with the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, these are the kind of things that happen. People walk on water through the power of the Holy Spirit. They walk through the Red Sea through the power of, of the Holy Spirit, the power of the presence of God. They pray and stuff lights on fire through the power of the presence of the Holy God. Let me give you some really practical things. Some are going, what does that look like? There's people that they come into church, and they are completely drunks. Like, they cannot stop drinking for years and years and years, and they stand in the presence of God, and they never touch a beer again. Like something inside of them just breaks. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. There's people whose marriages are falling apart and they literally hate each other. And they come into the presence of God and they look over and they get those little hearts again in their head and they go, I like you actually. And it's not because that person has changed. They still stink, right? It's because the Holy Spirit has filled you up. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, powerful things happen. There's people who can't stop looking at pornography. They can't. They 12-step it. They New Year's resolution it. They read self-help books. They even put protective stuff on their phones and their computers and all sorts of things like that. And they get accountability. And they can't stop. And they stand in the presence of God. And they become obedient to what he's telling them to do. And in a moment, the addiction is broken. And some of you don't believe that's possible, but it's possible. It's possible. These men are cowards. A few weeks earlier, they all said no when they had a chance to stand up for Jesus. And now they're going to go stand in front of thousands of people and they're going to proclaim. And by the way, languages that they didn't even know before because they're just normal men and women. They're going to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ in a language that is easy to understand, where the people can hear it. And people's lives are going to be forever changed. So the question is, why don't we see more people like that? Why don't I see more people walking in the power? I think there's a couple things. I, said, I think some of you just aren't even aware that there is a Holy Spirit. I think you come in church, you're like, I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to do that, I'm supposed to stand up for four songs, I'm supposed to sit down, I'm going to get my wallet, I'll give a couple bucks, I'm going to read the Bible every once in a while. It's, it's Christmas, that's Jesus' birthday. It's not, by the way. <sighs> <laughs> I 
and it's Easter, and I'm supposed to go to church and wear a tie, and like, that's your relationship with, with God, and there's no power there. You struggle with the same thing everybody else struggles with. You have the same shame and secrets everybody else has. Your marriage falls apart like everybody else's marriage. You have the same addictions everybody else has, and you're looking, and some of you, I just think you're not even aware that the presence of God, that, that, that God wants it to rule and reign in your life. I think it's kind of like Ikea breakfast. Some of you are not aware that they even have it. So you're like, what's Ikea? We, we, you're at the wrong church, right? Like, <laughs> but th- there's, there's a breakfast at Ikea that costs a dollar. Literally, it's a dollar. It says 99 cents unless they've changed it. And if you go before they open, so if you go between 9.30 and 10, here's the kicker. You get free coffee. You can take your wife on a date for $2. <laughs> you can meet a business partner up and say, I'll pay for your, for your breakfast if you pay for my lunch, and it will cost you $1. Like, oftentimes, there's things that we don't know about, so we don't really have expectations for them. But Jesus said in John 16, I want you to check this verse, and he says, but, but very truly, I tell you, it is good for, for you that I'm going away. Because you can imagine they were afraid, because he was their leader. He said, I'm going to go away, because if I don't go away, the advocate will not be able to come. That's another word for the Holy Spirit. The person who's going to go to bat for you. The person who's going to go to battle for you. The person who's going to stick with you. If I stay here, you have me. But if I leave, you will all have the same power that I have inside of me, available and living inside of you. What are we saying? It's a pretty important, a pretty important thing. The power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you don't know it's even there. Some of you, you're convinced he's unimportant and unnecessary. And there's two reasons. Because you've dealt with what I would call crazy and confused campers. You know the crazy people? Some of you don't know the crazy people. You can say thank you for that. But in some churches, the Holy Spirit, literally, it's, it's not so much about the purpose of the Holy Spirit as it is the experience of the Holy Spirit. And churches, literally, they just go from a drug to an experience in a drug and a high to just trying to come to church and experience another high. People be running around the church, you know, Jericho marching. If you don't know what that is, don't Google that. And so Jericho marching outside the church and people come in and they just want to get intoxicated in the Holy Spirit, but there's no really purpose. They're not going out and sharing their faith. They're not serving the world better. And we go, man, they're crazy. I don't want anything like that. And then the other side is confused. And we're going, the Holy Spirit, that was like a Bible thing, right? Like, like the miracles of God, the, uh, the, 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 the things that he did, that was like a Bible thing because then the Bible got completed and we no longer needed the Holy Spirit because we have the Bible and the Bible produces power. And I I would remind you that if that was true, then why wouldn't actually knowing Jesus be enough to produce the same things in the disciples' lives? They hung out with Jesus. They saw him walk on water. They saw him turn fish and bread and feed feed 5,000 people. They saw him do all those things, yet they were still powerless when it came to standing up for God. They needed to be filled to the fullness with the Holy Spirit. Some people are convinced he's unimportant, and some people just want nothing to do with him. I'm cool. I'll just, I'll just kind of hang out. And here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he's a gentleman and he does not force himself on anybody. So you can sit on the sidelines the rest of your life and, and wait in that little Jeep car and sit around and look around and go, why is this thing not, not moving? Or you can pull up the Dunkin' Donuts and see your, your coffee. <laughs> Open it. And that can be your spiritual life for the rest of your life. Or you can step into something that is full of life and power and and, and miracle. You see, I want God to do things through me that I could not do on my own. I, I want God to do things through your life 
that otherwise, without the Holy Spirit, you could not do on your own. And so instead of saying, I don't want anything to do with you, because that's how I was for a long time. Because of my bad experience with the Holy Spirit, because I saw some craziness, I'm a Pentecostal, and so I saw some, some abuse of the Holy Spirit, there was a time in my life that I just said, I don't want nothing to do. This is crazy. Give me four songs. Give me a, a sermon with three points on the Hebrew version of Genesis and Exodus. Preach the whole thing through. Give me, give me a couple theological debates. I'm good with, with that. Yet my life was so stale. There was no joy. There was, there, was, there was no passion. There was no courage. There was no sharing my faith. And so what I want to do is I want to encourage you today as you kind of take less of yourself and you empty yourself and you become obedient. Some of you stepped into obedience last week. I want your prayer now to be, hey, God, I want you to fill me up. Holy Spirit, fill me up to the fullest measure. God, make me powerful. Break my addictions. God, instead of me going to Google or instead of me going to self-help books or instead of me going to some clubs where people are going to walk me through, God, why don't you just fill me up with the same power that conquered the grave? Why don't you just give me those things? Because I believe, God, in your presence, more can happen in a moment than 100 years of my own effort. So let me give you three things, encouraging things that happen when you say, God, just fill me up. Fill me up. Am I going to start speaking in tongues? I don't know, maybe. I'm going to tell you why I think these people spoke in tongues in this chapter. You, you might, or, or maybe you'll just get kind. <laughs> M- maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit will fill you up and you'll like, get ridiculously generous where generosity just flows from you and you just enjoy being a blessing, not a burden, and you want, you want to give to people like you'll see people and God will speak to you and God will go, hey, I know you are about to eat and get lunch, buy their lunch as well. Maybe you'll go to work and you just, by the power of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, you'll stop gossiping. It'll just be broken in your life and you'll be somebody who gives life with your words. Maybe your whole presence will just be different. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You're from Pennsylvania, right? When you walk into a room, the presence of the room just gets worse because you're there. And maybe the Holy Spirit fills you up and you walk into your home and instead of your kids and your wife, you know, kind of standing to attention, worried about how you're going to act because you came home from a long day, you walk in and the presence of the Holy Spirit comes in here. Go up to your wife, give her, give her, give her a hug. Who are you? Walk over to your kids, they're sitting in their own pile of filth because that's what they do, Right? And instead of you freaking out, what's going on? I'm still praying for this, by the way, in my own life. But what's going on, right? You walk up and you just, you just push a little bit of the, the filth out of the way. You just lay down beside me. You just cover yourself. Oh, come on. We're just going to roll around in filth like a couple pigs, right? <laughs> Can you imagine the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you? you? You come into church and when you come, you just worship. You're just passionate about worship. The Spirit fills you up. You no longer care about what other people are looking at and thinking about. You start to realize nobody's looking at you. You're not that important. I try to tell my, my seven-year-old, nobody's, nobody's looking at you, right? Nobody's paying attention to you. They got their own stuff to worry about. You, it's you and God. You live for an audience of one. Carson Wentz. Okay, anyway. So let me give you three things. Number one is this. Number one is this. Three things that will happen when you invite the Holy Spirit into your life. Number one, he'll give you words to speak you did not know. He'll give you words to speak you did not know. Check out what it says in Acts chapter 2 as we continue reading. It says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. In other words, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. So here's what happened. 
there was people that traveled from all over the world to come to the celebration of Pentecost. So it's very fitting that the Holy Spirit would show up and give them the power to speak languages they did not know. Some of you are confused by that. They did not speak heavenly languages. They did not make up stuff in their head, because I've been there before, and I've been desperate to speak in tongues, because everybody else around me was speaking in tongues. That's a whole other sermon. They didn't speak in a, a language of, of, of angels. They actually spoke in languages people could understand, but they were languages they did not previously know. Could you imagine that? I am 100% English. I can't speak Spanish at all. I would like to. I took two years of it. I know nothing, Right? It would be like going down to Mexico or somewhere they speak Spanish and showing up and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit fills me up and I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a restaurant or something like that and I'm in full-on conversation with somebody. Just start opening your mouth and as you open your mouth, you're not even trying. It's just flowing out. You're not making it up. So what happened is they began to speak in unknown languages that they did not know but they made complete sense to other people. In fact, it was such a crazy thing that some people who were there assumed that they were drunk. Those, those dudes are out of their mind, and then they got a little closer, and they went, I don't know, he's actually speaking my language, he's speaking in language, and scripture says that they begin to speak in a language that people could understand, and what, they, what were they speaking about, they were speaking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, they had this audience from all over the world, and all of them in unison are speaking to different people group, and finally the Bible says, Peter stands up, and he begins to preach a message, and I don't know if he preached it in his language or some other language, but he preaches it in a language that thousands of people can understand, and in that moment, because the Holy Spirit filled him up, had he went out there and spoken his native language, nobody would have understood him. The Holy Spirit gave them words that they did not previously no, I think that that is one of the greatest blessings of being filled with the Spirit. In fact, it says in Luke chapter 12, when, when you're brought before the synagogues, rulers and authorities, he says, don't worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. Watch this. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what you should say. The, the Holy Spirit is, is going is to give you words to speak that you otherwise could not speak. It happened many times in the book of Acts. One time they were standing before these, these religious men and the Bible says they were they were boldly sharing their faith. And what's so cool is just some time earlier, Peter wouldn't even stand up before a couple little, little people and say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says he stands before these educated, religious, you know, prestigious people. And the Bible says boldly he speaks. And they are so confused because they call them uneducated, ordinary fools. They call them idiots. These guys are the idiots that used to hang out with Jesus that weren't good enough to be in our club before. And now they're standing here in front of us and they are able to, to share things that they should not yet know. Why? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when he comes into your life, he's going to give you things that you didn't even know were in there. He's going to pull things out of you, abilities out of you that you didn't even know were in there. Some of you are terrified to even talk to people. Like when I share, we're going to do the whole sermon series on sharing your faith. I am so terrified of sharing your faith. Listen, sharing your faith has nothing to do or a lot less to do with learning how to do it. And it has more to do with being filled with the power of God. Because he will give you words to speak that you don't yet know. That you, that you go, hey, where did that come from? I can't tell you how many times. Uh, more than once. Right around three or four. I don't know how many times exactly. Uh, but like the Holy Spirit has... has has spoken to me through a dream, a very vivid dream, talking to me about things that, that I didn't know were coming. Two times it was about people that were leaving the church. And I remember having the dream, and it was a painful dream because they were close people to me. 
But it was as, almost as if the Holy Spirit was preparing me so that I didn't want to kill anybody when, when they had the conversation. And literally, I had the dream, and within a week, they called me up, and word for word, we're having a conversation that I had already been prepared for in my mind, and I'm already ready to handle it with, with a loving nature, even though that's not really what I wanted to do. And I'm already prepared to walk through them with that and, 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 and speak words that I'm not going to regret later. But the truth is, it's because the Holy Spirit spoke to me in ways that I didn't yet know He would speak to me. There's things that the Holy Spirit wants to do through you, and speak through you that you didn't even know were in there. Some of you, when it comes to prayer, there's going to be a time in your life where, where somebody needs prayer. And you're not going to know what to say. And just telling them, oh man, I'm, I'm going to be praying for you is not good enough. Like you're going to want to pray for them, but you're not even going to know what to say. And in that moment, you're going to be able to tell the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Scripture says you'll give me words to speak that I, I did not yet know. I can't tell you how many times I go back in messages and I, and I listen to stuff because I want to make sure I'm not stuttering or maybe saying um too much or see if I said something I shouldn't have said, and that kind of happens often with me. And so like stuff like that, I want to get better. The only way you can get better is if I listen to it or my wife listens to it. And so we're we going to listen to that stuff, and I want to get better at what I do. But sometimes I listen and I go, I go where did that come from? Because that was not in my notes. That Dunkin' Donut illustration, that was smooth, right? There's things that, 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 that the Holy Spirit will bring out of me. And the, the truth is, people come up to me sometimes and go, hey, that was really good. And I want to think, no, it wasn't. It was the Holy Spirit. Had nothing to do with being good. Had nothing to do with being educated because I'm a C student. I can barely pronounce words in the Bible, right? It's the Holy Spirit. He, he, he gives you words to speak that you would not have on your own. He fills you up with, with power. Another thing he does is he'll get you to places you can never go. The Holy Spirit will get you to places that you can never go. Think about it. The presence of God comes on Joseph. He goes from, from a prison to a, to a palace in the Old Testament. If you're not a church person, it's amazing how many times that God takes somebody in the Bible and there are no one, and they end up doing ridiculously important things for his kingdom. Joseph is a no one. He ends up being the second most powerful man in the world at the time. He ends up being the second in command for, for Pharaoh. Moses, his life starts in a basket on the Nile River. He ends up in, in the palace. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit gets you. David, the, the, one of the best kings in, in, in Israel history, he goes from being a shepherd, the youngest of all of his brothers. His life was, was destined to be a shepherd, and he goes from a, a field in nowhere to the king. It's amazing what happens when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Paul goes from just a religious zealot, a nobody, and his life, his, his ministry would lead him to having a, a, a meeting with some of the most powerful men in the world. He would start some of the most influential churches in the world at, at that time. He would reach some of the most unreached people groups at the world. It's amazing what happens when the Holy Spirit comes into your life. He'll get you to places that you should never, ever, ever ha have been at. I mean, I've shared this before, but there's, there's no other way for me to describe the history of Journey Church. We're nine years old. This, 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 this month, like we've been here for nine years doing what we're doing. We're going to have a 10-year anniversary. We're going to be a decade old, y'all. We're almost a teenager. And so, but if I look at the history of Journey Church, we're at places we should have never been. Let me give you some. Schwanksville. Where the heck is Schwanksville? <laughs> I mean, no, no offense if you live there, but no, nobody points on a map and goes, you know what, I want to start a church in Schwanksville, except for the pilgrims, right? And so, like, it's just... It's just not what you do. 
And so nine years ago, we had no idea where Schwanksville was. And God gets us to places that we should have never been, opportunities that we could have never had. And he starts that, and then he opens up doors in Phoenixville. And then if you think about our newest campus in Royersford, I mean, I drove by that place over and over and over again for, for years. And one day the Holy Spirit opened up my, my eyes, because that's what he does. And at the exact time that he's opening up my eyes, it's the exact moment that this is even going to be a possibility for us to open up a campus there. And today they're baptizing five people, and that's exciting, and we should clap about that. But here's the thing about it. We should have never been there. Should have been a ladies' gym still. I'm a guy, right? Like, we, we drove up, we drove by it over and over and over again. But the Holy Spirit gets you to places that you should not be able to get here. In fact, I will say it like this. He'll take you faster and farther than you could ever go on your own. The Holy Spirit will take you faster and farther than you will ever go on your own. It's kind of like putting something together at Ikea. That stupid little demonic Allen wrench they give you. A few years ago, I was putting a bunch of shelves together. I had an Allen wrench. It took me one month to put one shelf together. My arm hurt. I got arthritis. Ian, he saw me doing it. He was like, let me see one of those, one of those, those Allen wrenches. We had 15 shelves. I'm like, well, we have 15 of them. So here, just take whatever you want. I'll keep using this one. And a couple minutes later, he comes back. He had cut, somehow cut the Allen wrench and, and, and made like, a, like a, uh, a bit for the drill. And he was like, try this. Put this in. One. All of a sudden, I went from putting one together in a month to 10 together in 10 minutes. It was, I mean, boom, boom, boom. I was like, this is the most amazing thing in the world. And some of you are saying, why didn't you do it in the beginning? Look at me. That's why. I needed Ian to come in and hook me up with some power. But the Holy Spirit will get you to places that you could have never gotten to on your own. Some of you are hoping my marriage is going to get better and and, and my life is going to get better and this addiction is going to get better and I'm just going to keep working harder and you are not good enough on your own. You just simply need to keep emptying yourself out of yourself and you need to pray to the Spirit, fill me up, give me everything that I need to accomplish. Here's the key, to accomplish your will for my life, not my will. Give me everything you need. He'll get you to places you should not go. And I like this one. I like this one. Uh, Number three is he'll fill you up with strength that you can never grow on your own. He'll fill you up with strength that you can never grow on your own. You know, if you ever, I just talked about Ian. If you know Ian, he's from a different world when it comes to his human strength. I don't know where he came from, right? There's times we would go to the gym together, and I would watch him work out because he had all the plates in the gym, and so I had to wait on him, right? (laughs) And he would lift, and I would think to myself, there is no way that I will ever, ever be that strong in my life. I'm pretty sure even if I took roids, I will never be able to do what he's being able to do because what he's being able to do is, is, is impossible, stupid, unwise. Where are you from, right? Are you, like, and I remember, no matter how hard, some of you are there in your life. There's things that you want and that you desire, and you've tried on your own. And here's what I need to tell you. You're not good enough. You are going to keep going back and being an addict. You can keep calling yourself that because you are on your own. Your marriage might get fixed for a season, 
but because you're still not emptied of yourself. You might have fixed it with a couple band-aids, but it'll be back to where it was at. Because it's not just a work thing. Some of you have something secret in your life, and last week you were like, I'm all in. I'm all in. It lasted for two days. And you came in here today, and here's the thing. And you feel bad. And you feel like a failure. And you feel unworthy. And I think it's the same way that Peter would have felt. Because he, he wanted to stand for Jesus. He wanted to. Jesus even told him, hey, before the rooster crows, you're going you're to deny me three times. I will never deny you, he says, ever. I, I, will, I will die for you. He even cut somebody's ear off to show him. Hello, oh, Jesus. Jesus puts it back on his ear and says, you're an idiot. You're going to deny me. He denies three times, and you, you just imagine his failure, because what he did, and what often you will do, you'll go, I failed over and over and over again, and I tried, it didn't work, so I'm just going to go back to my old way of life, because this doesn't work. And the Bible says Jesus finds Peter on the beach, and he forgives him. And essentially what he tells him is, you're not good enough to do what, what you think you can do for me. So your job is just, through your fear, through your failure, through your worry, go to the upper room, because I promise you, your name is Peter, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Go back, and the advocate, the spirit, the comforter is going to come. And in that moment when he fills you up on the day of Pentecost, he's going to light something inside of your life, and you are never going back. All you need to do is empty yourself. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Ask him. See, and I love, I love this part that the Holy Spirit and only the Holy Spirit will give you what you need to do what you're called to do. He'll give you strength you could have never, ever grown on your own. The Bible says he fills you up with, with the fruits of the Spirit. Here's, here's the power that he gives you. And, and I see it in my own life because honestly, if you would have met me outside of Christ, like when I say I don't like people, some of you laugh, I'm not lying to you. Standing out there waiting to say hi to people, shaking your hand, giving your babies high fives, telling everybody to look good, you know, telling that guy in the Giants uniform, it's good to have him here today. Those are all lies. But I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and I'm not the same person I was before. So now I actually do like people. I actually enjoy, for the most part, I need my own time still, being around people. I love watching people's lives get changed. I, I, love, I love being a church that's able to give. I, I love all those things because I've been filled with the Holy Spirit and He has transformed me into something different. If He didn't change me, I would have never stood up on this stage, ever. If I ever think about having to stand up here for 30 minutes, it, it will cause me stress and other bodily fluids might happen. And every week I step outside of my own and I say, Holy Spirit, you're in control of my life. And you make me smarter than I am. Thank you. You've given me strength that I could have never gotten on my own. Thank you. You've gotten me to places that I could have never gotten on my own. Thank you. And all I had to do in my life is empty myself of myself. And I just keep doing it all the time. It's, it's a continual process. That's what scripture says. You're not filled with the Holy Spirit once. You're continually filled with the Holy Spirit. 
I'm going to continue to empty myself of myself. And when I empty myself of myself, I'm going to receive the fullness, the full measure of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I am not the same person when I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. And some of you, you need to stop coming here on your own effort. You are a failure, but you were never meant to live in your own power. You need to receive the Holy Spirit in your life. You need to receive the Holy Spirit. I believe it's a second step. I believe the first step is, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. You get baptized in water. And then I think being filled with the presence of God is making sure you're a conducive environment to being filled. And that's a continual longing, a continual goal, a continual effort. I'm going to decrease. Holy Spirit, you're going to increase in my life. And if you would just begin to do that, I believe you would see things happen in your life. That's why scripture says that God has a plan where he wants to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask, dream, or imagine with your life, through your life, for your life, all those other things.